Since we are past Thanksgiving, I can now say Merry Christmas, at least in my book. So Merry Christmas to all of you. Uh, thanks for joining us along the way here, and we're excited to see what God is doing in and through us. As all of you probably have recognized by now, the holidays are going to be a little bit different. The song, I'll Be Home for Christmas, takes on a whole new meaning as many of us will be stuck at home for Christmas. But also, this Sunday is the beginning of Advent. And Advent is that season in the year where we look back at the first coming of Jesus and we look forward to his second coming. And for each week of Advent, we're going to focus on a key topic. And today is about hope and how to hold on to hope. So just pray with me. Father God, I pray as we take this moment to be reminded or even learn afresh and new of what it means to hold on to hope. May you open our hearts and minds to respond as you would have us respond. May you remove me and may we hear from you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. On April 18th, 1906, at 5.45 a.m. in the morning, as people slept soundly in San Francisco, California, an earthquake hit. When it was all over, more than 3,000 people were dead and over half of the 4,000 residents of the city were homeless. The earthquake was later estimated to be around a 7.8 on the Richter scale. The tremendous nature of the earthquake broke natural gas lines and water lines, adding to the challenges of trying to both control and distinguish fires. Over the next three days, around 500 city blocks were destroyed. Out of all of the fire hydrants across the city, only one continued to work. And this one fire hydrant saved the whole famous Mission District from destruction. This one little fire hydrant was located on top of a hill and the horses that were pulling the fire wagons got so tired that people had to push the wagons up to this fire hydrant to be able to get water to extinguish the fires. That one fire hydrant was named the Little Giant and is referred to today as the Golden Fire Hydrant by the city of San Francisco. Up to this date, each year, on April 18th at 5.45 a.m. in the morning, a ceremony is held in front of this little fire hydrant that is spray-painted gold to remind the residents of what this one little fire hydrant could do to provide hope for a city that was in devastation. And my hope for today is that we would be like this little fire hydrant that in the midst of chaos and devastation and all the challenges around us, that we would hold on to hope. A common word that is used in exchange of the word hope is the word wish. And clearly, as we read in Scripture, a wish and hope are two different things. But there is a cultural phenomenon around the world about making wishes, from wishing wells, to wishing fountains, to lighting of candles and lanterns, to the also common wishing trees that can be found in cities throughout the world, people are looking 
for hope and looking for more out of life and looking to make wishes for what they're hoping for in the future. Just think about the movie Aladdin. Aladdin is a story of a boy who discovers this magic lantern and he rubs it and he's granted three wishes. And this wishes invite him into a whole new world of luxury, life, and beauty. And if you're anything like me, when you watch this story and movie of Aladdin, you begin to think to yourself, what would I do if I had three wishes? How would my life play out if I was Aladdin? And it's easy to look at what Aladdin was given and think to yourself, if I had what he had, my life would be hopeful and happy. But all of us know that riches and luxury do not bring lasting hope or happiness. So I ask you, what are you hoping for? What are you looking for in life? And if you had three wishes, what is it that you'd be wishing for? Some of the most common wishes that we have in life are for health, happiness, a soulmate, money, success, travel. But what is it that you'd wish for? I know for me, if I could be granted three wishes today, my first wish would be an end to this pandemic. My second wish would be for closer and restored relationships with those around me that have become so distanced because of these challenging times. And my third wish, not, and probably my greatest wish, would be for people to say yes to Jesus for the first time. And why is that my greatest wish? It's my greatest wish because I believe when you say yes to Jesus, he brings a whole new hope in our lives. And hope is a powerful idea. Hope can take a person from the depth of despair to the height of elation. Hope can roll back the clouds of darkness and bring in gleaming rays of sunshine. Now it's important as we think about hope that we define hope from a biblical view. And hope, according to scripture, can be defined as to wait for and look for with eager expectation. To wait for or look to for with eager expectation. Or we could say, hold on to hope for a better tomorrow. Hold on to hope for a better tomorrow. That we look to the future in eager expectation that there is a better tomorrow planned for us. In Romans 8, we read these words in verses 24 to 25. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have... We wait for it patiently. In other words, we hold on to hope for a better tomorrow. Kids, how many of you are eagerly waiting, holding on hope for what's going to happen on Christmas? You might have been rummaging around your house, looking in people's rooms, dropping hints to people who care about you, about what you are hoping for to happen on Christmas. I know, kids, you have this sense of anticipation that on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, as you tear into those gifts, what you're going to discover. And I hope that your dreams and wishes are realized. But even 
if they aren't. And even though Christmas is only a few weeks away, we hold on to a much greater hope as followers of Jesus. Not that we're going to get everything at Christmas that we want, but that we, but that we have already been given the greatest gift ever in Jesus. If you have said yes to Jesus, you have already received the greatest gift you could ever receive. You have been transformed by Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and launched on mission through the power of Jesus. And for those who have not yet said yes to Jesus, I would encourage you to receive Jesus over this Christmas season, who is the greatest gift ever. For me, it's been over 20 years since I received that greatest gift into my life. It was in the middle of a significant crisis in my life that I encountered Jesus and his extravagant, overwhelming love for a broken, messed up, hopeless 20-something. And it was in that moment and in that season that I went from directionless to passionately pursuing the one who loved me and given me hope beyond that moment. Jesus transformed my life. Now for you, I don't know your story, but maybe you have encountered Jesus or maybe you're considering Jesus for the first time. Maybe it happened just recently or maybe it happened a long time ago. But I know for me, Jesus has renewed my hope in life. But over time, if you've known Jesus for a while, things can begin to fade and get old and kind of stale. It's sort of like you move on from the honeymoon and following Jesus becomes normal. And this hope that he offers becomes a part of our fabric. When I started following Jesus 20 years ago, it was just me and Jesus and pursuing him passionately and investing all of my life in him. Now, years later, I'm married. I have four children. I have other hopes and dreams for my family, for my marriage, for other things in life. And although I still passionately want to pursue Jesus, many other things can fill our lives. Think about your own life. What are your hopes and dreams? What, what are you hoping that will happen? What is your better tomorrow that you're looking forward to? Maybe you're hoping for just another work day to come to an end. Maybe for a relaxing weekend, a great vacation. Maybe you're, you're hoping that that cute boy or girl will like you because you really like them. Maybe you're hoping for good grades or a good job or a hope for a family or a hope for a good retirement. All of us have many hopes for our lives. And the common thing about many of our hopes is that they are based on a better tomorrow here versus a better tomorrow there. Now, there's nothing wrong with having hope in this world, but it's clear that we need to have a hope that goes beyond a better tomorrow here and goes to a better tomorrow there. Or my second point, how do we hold on to hope? We hold on to hope that is beyond this world. A hope that is beyond this world. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, 19, 
And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in this world. So I ask you again, what are your hopes? What are your dreams? Are they all based here and now? Or do you have some based in the there and then? Do you have a hope that's beyond this world? Just think through history. There's times in history that hope has waxed and waned, grown and shrunk. When things are going well and up and to the right, hope rises that there's a better tomorrow here. But when things begin to fade and are difficult and the struggles rise, there's less hope in the here and now. When we look across the pages of the Bible, it's the same thing. There's periods of hopefulness and hopelessness. You go back to Adam and Eve placed in a perfect garden and it's a hope-filled existence until they make a decision to sin. Then hope begins to fade. But God gives them hope that one day the head of Satan will be crushed and he will be defeated. Then Adam and Eve have two children, Cain and Abel. But then Cain kills Abel. But God renews hope as Adam and Eve are given Seth. The world begins to take off and, and generations go on and hope begins to fade and evil begins to take over and God speaks to Noah to build a boat to rescue humanity and give new hope to a world that is losing hope. You continue to flip through the pages of scripture and you see this man Abraham that God tells him he's going to be a father of a great nation but his wife is barren and they don't have a child till 100 years old. And through Isaac, Isaac has two sons, Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau fight among each other, but ultimately Jacob is given the birthright. And then he is given 12 sons and other daughters. And one of these sons, Joseph, has these premonitions that his family is going to bow down to him and that he is going to be put in, in charge of them and his brothers become jealous and sell Joseph as a slave into a foreign land, Egypt. In Egypt, Joseph is forgotten in obscurity as he is wrongly accused and locked up in prison. But then through a whole series of events, he's placed in second in command in the nation of Egypt. And God uses him to rescue his family from a famine and preserve this nation that was just being born. But what turns first began as a rescue turns into an imprisonment as the nation of Israel is enslaved in Egypt. And it's not until hundreds of years later that God leads them out of that foreign land and into his promised land. But even in the promised land, there's, there's peaks of glory and grandeur and failure. There's periods of hope waning and waxing, growing and shrinking. Because throughout all of history, hope in this life comes and goes. Think about your own life. There's periods of hope. There's the ups and downs, the twists and turns of history. And our own lives can feel kind of like this roller coaster. 
that were filled with hope, and then there's hopelessness, and the cycle continues. We read in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 these words. All these people, this whole list I was talking about and even more, all these people still died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. The writer of Hebrews is reminding us that there is a hope that goes beyond this world. It's not just in a better tomorrow here, it's a hope that's beyond this world. And we can make the mistake when we read the Bible that we condense it down to a short period of time. These stories are told over days, weeks, months, years, generations There's over 1,500 years of history written in the pages of the Bible. We can act like when we have hope that everything should happen on our time frame and that God's going to show up here and do what we want here and now. We can begin to believe that our stories should always be the happily ever after here on this side of eternity. But if we tell the stories of the Bible that it's always only a happily ever after here, we don't do justice to the stories of the scripture and we also miss the greatest happy ending of hope in Jesus and a better tomorrow there. This world is not our home. And our experiences, our difficulties, our struggles, our failures, our sickness, our weakness, these should not defeat us but you call us to a greater hope, a hope for a better tomorrow and a hope that is beyond this world. To look up and see that there's more beyond, we need to take hold of hope, a hope beyond this world. But but how do we take hold of this hope? How do we grab this hope? Well, we read in Hebrews 11.1 these words. We'll see if we can get it out over to the side. We lead these words. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. And this is my third point, that we hold on to hope by faith. By faith, we grab a hold of that hope that we proclaim in Jesus. Over and over again, if you want to read in Hebrews chapter 11, which is called the Hall of Faith, you read the words, by faith, by faith, it was by faith, it was by faith, it was by faith that the people received what was being promised to them. It was by faith for Noah and Enoch and Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and Sarah. It was by faith across these kingdoms in this world that they received what God had promised them. Faith has evidence. Faith has substance. But faith goes beyond what we see here and now. And it looks forward to a better tomorrow 
and beyond this world. Listen to these words in verses 33 to 40 in Hebrews 11. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from the death. I love these verses we just read. And you can see in this section that all of these outcomes are positive on this side of eternity. And don't all of us wish and hope for this? That we would receive our loved ones back from the death, that we'd be rescued from the mouths of lions. And yes, 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 but the writer of Hebrews doesn't stop here. He continues on and says this, but others... But others didn't have the same experience. They were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half, and others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people, all these people, not just the ones who had hope here in this life, but even those who had suffered, all these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. We will never receive all that God has promised us here. But we do hold on to hope that there is much more beyond the here and now. We continue to have faith in Jesus Faith that there's something more, not just in victory, but in defeat. Not just in healing, but in suffering. Hope tells us, no matter what happens here, we have a better tomorrow to look forward to there. So how do we hold on to this hope? Like I said, we hold on to a better tomorrow that there are better days in front of us. But we hold on to that there's hope beyond this world, beyond the here and now. And how do we grab a hold of this hope? We grab a hold of it by faith, even when we can't see it. As I mentioned to begin with, you can be like that golden fire hydrant, that little giant that you can be a beacon of hope. That when you look around you and you see devastation and struggle and heartache, or you even look in your own life, you can by faith keep holding on to hope and providing hope for those around you. In Jesus, in faith in Jesus, we can stand firm and find hope both for ourselves and for the world 
around us. I'd encourage you during this season of Advent, hold on to hope. Would you pray with me? God, I pray that my brothers and sisters, my friends, my family would hold on to hope. God, I know for many, this has been a deep, deep season of struggle and loss. And that light can fade and hope can grow dim. But God, may you resurrect hope afresh and new in each one of us. Not in the absence of struggle, but in the midst of struggle. God, in the midst of victory, may you give us hope. In the, in, in the, the defeats, may you give us hope. In healing, may you give us hope. And in the struggle, may you give us hope. God, we hold on to hope that there is a better tomorrow. And maybe it's not even in this life. Maybe it's beyond this world, but we continue to hold on to hope. And God, may we be proclaimers and livers of that hope by faith in you. That no matter what comes, may we continue to hold on. In Jesus' name, amen.